Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, I want to welcome you to Blue Ridge Church. Whether you're streaming with us, our online campus, or you're here, it's always great to have you with us. We are in a series right now called Parenting, Perception Versus Reality. And we're looking at different things that we can do as parents to ensure that our kids grow up to be responsible adults. And we've already established that this series isn't just for parents or grandparents, but it's for all of us because we're all going to be interacting with kids and teenagers and youth on a regular basis, a consistent basis for the rest of our lives. And we all have a responsibility to help them to develop and to grow. So last week we started really a couple week journey where we're looking at different things that are instrumental in a kid's life, something that every kid needs. Now, when we do these things, the things we've talked about in this series, like we've said, every week there's no guarantees, right? There's no one playbook on how to parent. But when we do these things, we're, we're kind of turning those odds in our kid's favor, right? We're giving them the best chance to succeed when they leave the house or giving them the best chance to become a responsible adult. So if you weren't with us last week, what we did is we talked about four things that every kid needs. Uh, the first thing that we talked about was they need assurance, right? They need assurance and security from us as their parent that we understand our job that we've got our role. We know what our responsibility is, and we've got it. We're going to take care of them. We're going to perform that role well. And, and again, what that does is that builds security in them long-term as well. Then we talked about time and how if we're going to truly influence our, our kids in a positive way, we've got to spend time with them, right? And we looked at the whole quality time versus quantity time. And, and quality time works for a lot of things in life, but it doesn't work for parenting. It's got to be both quality time and quantity time if we're going to influence them. And so we talked about a couple questions we could ask ourselves about the time that we spend away from the family and away from the kids and how we can adjust that to have more time with our kids. And then the third thing we talked about was good memories, right? Every kid needs good memories from their childhood and because those good memories are going to carry them into adulthood. Because there's going to be a day when they're sorting through all of the junk of their lives as an adult, and they're going to remember some of those things that were good from their childhood. And even if we didn't have a great childhood, we can turn the tables now for the next generation. And then the last thing that we ended on last week was that our kids need to know that we love them, right? We need to tell them no matter how old they are, no matter how mature they become, that we still love them. Because again, they're going to get to a point in life and they're going to ask that question, does anybody love me? Yeah, mom loves me. Dad loves me. They assured me of that growing up and they showed me that. So today I just want to talk about some more of those things that every kid needs. And really the first one I want to start off with kind of ties into the one we ended with last week. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is every kid needs affection. Every child needs a lot of affection growing up. Now, here's the dictionary definition of affection. It's a feeling of liking or caring for someone or something. And, and when you look at people today in this world who are really healthy, emotionally healthy, uh, the chances are 
that they received a lot of affection when they were a child. They've received a lot of affection in their life. And as a parent, probably one of the greatest ways that we can show affection to our kids is through touch, right? Through physical touch. All human beings crave physical touch, whether it's holding their hand, whether it's giving them a hug, that communicates a ton of love and a ton of affection to our kids. And we want them to receive that at home. We don't want them to look for touch outside of the home that's not appropriate, maybe. So we have to constantly be holding our kids and hugging our kids. And again, what are we doing? We're assuring them of what we talked about last week, that we care about them, that we love them, that we understand our role as their parent. Now, this can be hard sometimes for men, right? The whole affection piece, because men have been accused of being emotionally distant a lot of times with their children. Sometimes men are are said to have the emotional equivalence of a rock, right? You know, we're there physically, but a lot of times we're not there emotionally. So we have to figure out as men how we can be emotionally connected to our kids and not just be in their physical presence. Because studies will will show you that if a kid has unaffectionate parents, it can cause all kinds of issues down the road. Uh, You know, mental health challenges, it can cause anxiety, it can cause fear in a kid's life if they don't receive enough affection when they're young. So when we do give them affection, what happens? They're less anxious, they're more resilient, they're less fearful in life, they grow up to be happy and healthy. It builds in them that confidence that we talked about last week. And I get this is kind of a tough subject to talk about. Or maybe it gives you um, a little bit of an uneasy feeling because maybe you grew up in a household or you had a childhood where you weren't shown a, a lot of affection. It wasn't modeled for you in your home. And now you've got kids and now you're expected to model this in your home. We have an opportunity. It's kind of like those memories. If, even if we didn't have good memories in our childhood, we had negative memories, we have the chance to change this generation and to change our kids and to make sure they have good memories. It's the same with affection. We may not have gotten a lot of affection when we were young or when we were little, but we had the opportunity to turn that for this generation and to make sure we're showing our kids tons of affection. And again... We're talking, this is a relationship principle. We all need affection, no matter how young we are, no matter how old we are. We're just kind of applying it in this series in the context of parenting, but we all need it. It really is, affection is really at the core of showing love to our kids. I love what it says in 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. And so here is the good news. Learning number one, we cannot give our kids too much affection. You know, as parents, we tend to underdo things or overdo things. This is one of those areas you cannot overdo. They need it that badly. Now, listen, your kids aren't going to tell you that they need affection, but they do, right? In the age that we probably give our kids the least amount of affection is the age that we should be giving them the most amount of affection, and that's when they're teenagers, right? When, when kids are going through 
all those changes that their body goes through those teenagers, you know, the, the male voice starts to crack and starts to change. And let's face it, teenagers are strange at that age, right? They are incredibly strange and they're incredibly difficult. But if you're sitting in the seat of the teenager and they're looking at you, they think you're pretty strange as well, right? And so what we do is we inadvertently drive a wedge between us and our teenager at that age we don't show a lot of affection, and that's an age they need a terrible amount of affection. Now, your, kid, your kid's not going to tell you that. Your teenage boy's not going to come up to you and dad and say, Dad, would you just hold me? <laughs> right? It's not going to happen. You know, your teenage daughter's not going to come up to you, Mom, and say, Mom, would you just give me a hug? But they desperately need it. Uh, and teenage boys especially. If you don't believe me, go in the middle school room one Sunday and watch teenage boys. They're always wrestling and, you know, punching each other and, you know, pushing each other around. It's physical touch. They're getting physical touch. It's a necessary element in life. Romans 12.1 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. It's like when you go visit a family member or a friend who's lost a loved one. Or you go to visit somebody in the hospital and people say, well, Scott, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. You don't have to say anything. Just be there or give them a hug, right? A hug communicates so much love and affection to somebody who's hurting. And it's the same way with our kids. So that's the first thing I want all of us to take away today. And it builds on that love. Our kids need affection in the house. Here's the next thing. Learning number two. Kids need to develop responsibility as they age and grow. This is a big one. This is going to step on some toes. It's going to step on some kids' toes. I know that. But they need responsibility both inside the home and sometimes outside of the home. And if we don't start to develop responsibility in a kid's life, they're never going to grow up to be a responsible adult. Right? It's not going to build that confidence and that character in their life that they need. And I was thinking about when that video was showing, you know, what do you think your kids today are going to brag about to their kids about their hardships in life, right? And their, the responsibility they had in life. I'm sure every parent does this. I can remember my dad telling my brother and I, you know, well, I had to walk to school each morning and walk home from school. And he said it was uphill both ways, right? And, and he told us one time he carried a hot potato in his pocket to keep him warm. And then that was his lunch for the day, right? I don't know if it was true or not, but you know, we always embellish how it was when we were a child. Or, or maybe one of your grandparents told you, well, I was the last of six kids to get in the bath water, right? It was cold. It was dirty by then because I was the youngest. And I think about some of the things we tell our kids, you know, well, we had to make our phone calls on a rotary phone, right? <laughs> but I'm wondering, what is this generation that has no responsibility? What are they going to embellish with their own kids? Oh, it was so tough when I was a kid. I had to give the lawn service instructions on how to trim the driveway, right? What, what are they going to brag about? Or it was so bad in my house. One day I was so hungry, I had to actually walk into the kitchen and make my own sandwich, 
right? Because the truth is, I don't think our kids are going to have a lot to brag about because we've been raising them and coddling them without a lot of responsibility. And I get why that happens because it happened to me. It's just easier sometimes to do it yourself, right? It's easier to clean their room yourself instead of having that battle with your kid. It's easier to pick up after them instead of having to go through that whole conversation and argument with them to get them to do what you need them to do. But I think what we've done is we've started to raise kids that don't have any responsibility. And quite frankly, a lot of kids today are kind of lethargic. That's really a nice way of saying kids are lazy, okay? They tend to be, if they don't have responsibility, they can become kind of lazy and not want to do it. And if you look at how we parent today in general, we solve their problems. We're constantly doing for them and we're constantly picking up for them. We give them money whenever they want it, right? You're like an ATM machine. You're just constantly giving them money. They don't value money. They think it's easy to get. You just go to mom or dad, you're going to get money. We, we uh, make excuses for them. We don't hold them accountable for different things. You know, we talk to their teachers for them and their coaches for them instead of making them talk to their teachers or their coach, coaches themselves. We do everything for them and we give them very little responsibility. And because they don't have re- responsibility, even if we give them a little responsibility, we don't let them fail at whatever that responsibility is. Listen, failure is awesome. It really is your kids need to fail because failure is a part of life. Despite society wanting every kid to be a winner, your kids aren't going to be winners. They're going to be losers. And I did it again. I did that in the first service. The tech crew, you you need to beep in my ears. Sometimes your kids are going to lose in life, right? They're not always going to win. There's going to be winners and losers. How about that? All right, we're done. <laughs> but, it's, but isn't it true? We think our kids are going to win in life all the time, and sometimes they're going to lose. And when they lose or when they fail, they're going to learn valuable life lessons. Because the truth is we don't learn from our successes, do we? We learn when we fail. We learn when we fall flat on our face. And when we fail at work or when we fail at school, we adjust we change something because that failure was painful. And we don't want that to ever happen again. So we adjust our lives so it doesn't happen again. So we learn more than through our success. Proverbs 27, 12 says, A prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. In other words, prepares. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. If we don't let our kids experience uh, you know, the fair and natural consequences of their actions then really long-term, we're hurting them. And if we don't allow them to fail, they're never going to learn responsibility that they need to learn. And again, some of us watching, some of us here, we're contributing to their lack of responsibility because we're doing everything for them. And I get that. You love them. You care for them. As a parent, you want to do everything for them, but we got to teach them responsibility as they grow old, because here's the truth. They're going to be responsible when they get old for certain things, and they're going to be accountable. But if we don't hold them responsible when they're young, they're going to think that 
Nobody else is going to hold them responsible, right? And I see this every day. I've seen it in my parenting far too many times. I see it in society. I see it in the church. And what we do is we start our kids out giving them responsibility. And we tell them, these are the consequences. If you don't clean your room, if you don't do your homework, these are the consequences. And we send them on their way. Now, if they handle the responsibility and they do what we've asked them to do, then great. Everything just keeps moving forward. But if they don't do the responsibility that we've given them, we never hold them accountable. We don't enforce the consequences because we don't want them to fail. And we just kind of revert back to taking up for them or doing things for them. Or here's what we'll do. We'll ask them to do something, and then we start counting. Right? I need you to clean your room. One, two. Obviously, you don't hear me. I said, you need to go clean your room. One, two. And then parents start counting in fractions. Right? Are you one of those parents too? Right. One, two. Two and a half. For crying out loud, get to three. Right? Let your kids experience the awesomeness of you getting to three. Because again, if we don't hold them accountable when they're young, they're going to think there's no accountability when they get older. And listen, their boss is going to give them responsibility and the boss is going to hold them accountable. For that responsibility that they gave them. If they go into the military right out of school, guess what? They're going to be responsible for certain things. And if they don't do it, they're going to be held accountable. We're accountable to the law. We're accountable to all kinds of things in society. So we have to start them young. And I get it. We love them. We don't want, you know, we don't want them to feel bad about us or whatever. But we have to do it. And another, or another thing we'll do is we'll punish them. We'll punish our kids. We'll ground them, right? Oh, you're grounded for a week. And then two or three days into them being grounded, they'll come and ask to do something. And we're like, well, you know, Susie's having a sleepover or it's the last football game or whatever. And, and we, we cave, right? We say to each other, we're talking as parents, well, you know, they asked to do this and it is, you know, it is... The only time they're going to be able to do this, and they have been grounded for three of the seven days, so I think they've learned their lesson. No, they haven't. You know what they've learned? You're going to cave. You and I are going to cave and not hold them responsible. So kids need affection. They need to know we love them, yes, but they also need to learn responsibility and accountability for the responsibility that we give them. We teach them young, and they're going to be responsible, accountable adults when they get older. All right, here's the next thing. Kids need fun. All the kids watching with their parents and they're hearing like, I'm glad he got off of that responsibility. I don't like this old guy anymore, Mom. Can we, can we do something else on Sundays? But the truth is they do need fun. Kids need to have some fun in their life. And you may say, well, why do they need fun? Because kids today are totally stressed out, especially this generation. You know, we live in an incredibly fast-paced world. Kids today have way more information than you and I ever had. They're bombarded with new information at a record pace. Their teachers are pushing them harder. Parents are pushing their kids harder than ever to perform. And sometimes they just need a little laughter and a little joy and a little fun in their life. 
Because you know what laughter and joy and fun do? It reduces our fear. It reduces our anxiety. It can even reduce anger and hostility in a kid if they have enough fun and enough joy. And the Bible's pretty clear that, that a joyful heart's good, right? Fun is okay. Look at Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. You know, remember we talked about role models. I think it was week one and how, you know, we got to be good role models for kids. I think if you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, you need to be a good Christian role model for kids. And I believe that means having some fun as a Christian and smiling and being full of joy as a Christian. The problem is kids look at most Christians today and they're like, they're not fun at all. Right? Walk into most churches on a Sunday morning if you don't believe me. There's no smiles. There's no laughing. You certainly can't laugh in church. And kids see that and like, I don't want to be a part of that. A lot of times Christians walk around, they got a scowl on their face. Why? We should be the happiest, most joyful, fun people in the world because we have Christ. And I think that's a great role model to kids because it says, hey, they love Jesus. They, they're happy about following Jesus. This is something for me, you know, to look at. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 13 says, a cheerful heart brings a smile to your face. A sad heart makes it hard to get through the day. And I think the reason sometimes Christians are just, you know, sometimes not all that happy and all that joyful is because we bought into a myth. And here's that myth, learning number three. We have bought into the myth that says the more serious we are, the more spiritual we become. That's a myth. The more serious you are, the more boring you are, right? We need to lighten up, have a little fun, laugh. Let people know that we've got more joy in our life than we've ever had before because we love Christ and because we have a relationship with Christ. Listen, if this is your first time here, let me just make a disclaimer. We take God seriously, but we never take ourselves seriously. It's okay to laugh and smile, even in church. And I know that's hard for some of you because you grew up in a church you weren't really allowed to have fun or to laugh. I mean, you know, I can think about growing up in church as a kid, and if you laughed in church, you were in trouble. You were going to get grounded when you got home, or, or your dad's hand was going to smack you in the back of the head or something, right? It's okay to laugh and have some fun in life. You know, I, I was at a funeral this week, and uh, everybody had to wear a mask. It was the church's thing, and that's great. And it was kind of a traditional service. It was a beautiful service, but we sang a couple hymns, and there was no instruments. And I, I started thinking about this talk, and I started laughing because I could hear all these off-pitched people singing. They seriously could not sing. You know, you hear the, the older lady singing and the younger man singing and, and nothing fit together. And I thought, man, this re it reminded me so much of growing up in church singing hymns. But then I remembered, you know, if you would have smiled or giggled at that, you would have been in trouble. It's okay to have some fun. I'm confident that Jesus was joyful and Jesus laughed and Jesus enjoyed life when he was here on this earth to the fullest. I'm sure he joked around. 
You know, I, I, there's no verse that says Jesus told this joke and here, you know, here's the punchline. But look at some of the responses Jesus had for those religious leaders who were always stiff and always serious all the time and the irony in his responses to them. The other reason I know that Jesus w- was full of laughter and joy, he hung around with 12 guys for three and a half years. <laughs> you ever been with 12 guys, even for a week? in the humor, in the picking, in the going back and forth. I guarantee you a lot of that had to have gone on. But the, the, the main way I know that, that God has a great sense of humor and Jesus has a great sense of humor, look at the person you're sitting beside. Does God not have a great sense of humor? <laughs> See? Plus, Jesus was 100% God, 100% man, and we were created in his image. We laugh. We smile, we find things funny, we find some things not funny, we're full of humor at times. He created us in his image. I think about, you know, when the disciples came back from fishing and they had fished all night and they didn't catch anything. You remember what Jesus said? Why don't you fish on the other side of the boat? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, I think that's a hilarious response to them. You know, they're probably like, what? They're probably rolling their eyes. But when they caught all those fish and they couldn't even bring those fish in, you know they had to have been full of joy and laughing. I can't believe Jesus said that. I can't believe he caught these fish. It's okay to love life, to have some fun, and to set that example for our kids. Create an environment where your kids can laugh and simply be themselves. Because if they don't find fun and laughter and joy at home, they're going to find it somewhere, and it may not be where we want them to find it. Let them see that following Jesus gives us more joy and more happiness and more excitement and more fun in life than anything the world offers. So here's the last thing I want to talk about. Kids need a peaceful home. They need fun. They need responsibility. They need affection, but they need a peaceful home, not a perfect home, Not a home without chaos. All of our homes have tons of chaos, right? You you should come to my family Thanksgiving dinner. You want to see total chaos, right? That's not what it's about, but it's about having a safe place that our kids can just get away for a little bit, to get away from the world and relax because truly they are under an incredible amount of pressure. Think about the battles that your kids face every day. They're battling culture. They're battling social media. They're battling bullies at school. They're battling, you know, uh, for conformity. They're, bo- they're battling body image. Uh, they're battling peer pressure when it comes to alcohol and, and drugs and all these things. Sometimes they just need a place they can get away from the battles, a place they can feel safe, they can breathe, and they can relax. So learning number four Every kid needs a place of peace where they don't have to fight a constant battle. Again, just a place they can just kind of let their guard down and relax. So how do you do that? How do you create that type of home? It doesn't matter where home is or what type of home you have. You can create a peaceful home for your kids. And I think they need a home that, that has, you know, discipline but not a lot of yelling. There's going to be some yelling. I get that. But discipline without a lot of yelling. Boundaries. Kids need boundaries, but they don't have to have a ton of rules. 
Your home should be a place where their friends are always welcome to hang out. I used to love it when my kids would bring their friends over. I enjoyed their friends just as much as they did. But you want to be that house in the neighborhood that every kid wants to hang out in. You can keep a better eye on your kids. But create a place where their kids are always, their friends are always welcome to hang out. And if you're married, they need a home where mom and dad show affection to each other. You know, kissing, hugging. They're going to tell you, ugh, that's gross. Get a room, you know, do whatever, right? But when we show affection in front of our kids, you know what it does? It builds security in them. They see kids, families that are torn apart every day when they go to school. They see affection at home. They're like, hey, mom and dad actually like each other. Mom and dad are okay. It creates peace in them. Again, a, a peaceful home is a necessity for our children. They also need a home where they're not compared to their siblings. Oh, I wish you were more like your sister. I wish you were more like uh, your brother. But I think the greatest thing we can do to create a, a peaceful home is for us to be at peace first. Right? Peace within, it, within ourselves, peace with our spouse, but peace with God. And it's going to sound really harsh, but the Bible says that we're not at peace with God. The Bible says that we are always at war with God because of our sin. Right? So we have to deal with that sin issue that we have before we ever get the peace of God that we can pass on and create in our own families. Think about it. We, we serve a holy God who's perfect. He can't be around somebody like Scott because Scott's imperfect, because of Scott's sin. So I have to have covering of some sort for my sinfulness, right? The good news is God's already won that battle, right? He sent Jesus to this earth to die for my imperfections, to die for your imperfections. And when we have a relationship with Jesus, our imperfections are gone. And so when God looks at us, he no longer sees imperfect Scott. He sees perfect Jesus inside of Scott, that Scott has a relationship with perfect Jesus. That's how you get ultimate peace because the Bible is very clear. God is the giver of peace. And if we're at peace with God, I'm telling you, we can create peace in our families and in our households. And he did that for all of us, Colossians 1.20. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself, talking about Jesus. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So when we get that relationship with Christ started, we talked last week how we get the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit leads God and directs us. But the Holy Spirit also gives us peace. Peace with ourselves, peace with others. We can have peace with God and we can bring peace into our homes. Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and what? Peace. So when we have that relationship with Christ, we get the Holy Spirit. We let the Holy Spirit lead our life. We get peace. And we can carry that peace into our homes. And listen, I understand not everybody watching, everybody here, you ha not everybody has a relationship with Christ. A lot of you don't know where you stand on that faith spectrum, and that's okay. You can actually do everything we've talked about in this series and a lot of the things we talk about without having God a part of your life, without having a relationship 
with Christ. You can do all these things for your kids, but I will caution you. If we miss the God element, we're never going to have true peace because that only comes from Christ. We can do it. We can do a lot of these things. And yes, the chances are we're going to turn the odds in our kids' favor, but we'll never have complete peace. Plus, the Lord's the one, the Holy Spirit's the one that gives us the strength and the power to actually do these things. So I thought it, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how do you have a relationship with Christ so that you can have that true peace. And Romans 5.1 is very clear. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. What that verse is saying is if you have faith in Christ, you are made right with God. It's that simple. If you put your faith in Jesus, you are right with God. And if we truly desire peace, peace first for ourselves. And if we want peace for our kids, we'll never achieve that if we're completely separated from Jesus. Yeah, we can do a lot of the things we've talked about, but we'll never have true peace because that only comes from the provider of peace. That only comes from Jesus. So if you're here today, I want to at least offer you that opportunity. If you've never settled that deal with Christ, you've never invited him into your life, I want to give you an opportunity when we pray to do that. Maybe you were taught growing up that you weren't good enough and you had to stop doing certain things in your life or you had to start doing other things before you could have a relationship with Christ. The beauty of Jesus is he accepts us wherever we're at. Flaws and all, broken, beaten down, doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done, he accepts us wherever we're at in life. And the beauty is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to pray out loud. You don't have to come up here to me. You just pray from the quietness of your heart when we pray that you're ready to start that relationship. So let's pray together. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, that pays for all of our imperfections. Thank you that we can have true peace in this world, this broken world that we live in because of what you did for us, Christ. And if you're here today or watching as we pray and, and you're ready to settle that deal with Christ and invite him into your life, just pray from the quietness of your heart. Just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm imperfect. I know you're perfect. I know you were the only one that was capable of paying for my imperfection on the cross. You paid for all of my sins. So I'm asking you now, to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to come into my life and be the Lord of my life, to lead my life and help me to lead my family. Lord, give me your peace so I can give my kids some peace at home. Maybe you're praying and, and you've already had a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've had a relationship with Christ for a long time. Would you make a commitment today for your kids, for your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, cousins, whoever you interact with, that you'll start to show them affection, to assure them, again, of your love for them? Lord, we commit today to 
teaching our kids responsibility. To have some fun with our kids, to show them what joy it is to follow you. And to know that we were created in your image. When we laugh, when we cry, when we celebrate, when we mourn and grieve, we're created in your image. Lord, but most importantly, help us to have peaceful homes. Homes that follow you, homes that are surrounded by you. Lord, and thank you for each parent and grandparent that's here. Lord, what they do on a regular basis. I pray for those, Lord, that um, don't have kids or they've lost kids, they're hurting, or those that are struggling in a marriage, health issues, whatever it is, you know who those people are. And I just lift them up especially to you. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for our community. Help us to have peace. We love you and praise you. Amen. As we finish up, I'd just like to ask you to do me one favor. That electronic connection card, you can access it through that QR code on your seat back. Or if you have the Church Center app, uh, that's one of the options is the electronic connection card. If you invited Christ into your life for the first time today, I promise I'm not going to track you down. I'm not going to ask you to come in and meet with me or anything. But I do want to send you something in the mail uh, just um, to help you on that journey. Maybe some next right steps, some things, just to start growing that relationship. But it's the best decision you could ever make because that's the only thing that brings us peace in this life. So if you'd put that on that connection card, that would be great. Next Sunday is Candy Palooza in our kids' area. It's going to be awesome. Your kids can dress up. We are going to stuff them full of candy. We're going to send them home with candy because we don't have to deal with them. You'll have to deal with them. And we really thought it'd just be a great way to put these principles into action and see how well uh, you're doing in your parenting. Uh, But seriously, make sure you you invite your kids' friends, bring them. They're going to have a blast. And uh, I can't thank you enough for everything you do uh, in this community and beyond. I hope you have a great Sunday, a great week, and we'll see you next week. God bless you guys.